The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum and today we're discussing the Washington Redskins as they are the New York Giants' next opponent. Giants obviously coming off of a very narrow victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So now next on tap for them on Sunday is a NFC East opponent. So we're going to be doing things like we typically do, breaking things down offensively and defensively and what you need to know from both sides of the ball. So the first thing that needs to be acknowledged, Chris, is how good this defensive line is with specifically Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Overall, how good do you think that that unit is and how good they can they be this weekend? I would say really good. Yeah, they are a defensive line to be respected. And it really, I would say the entire Washington defensive front because they also have Ryan Kerrigan who has been a thorn in the Giants' side since, what, 2013, something like that. And now they've got Montez Sweat over there on the other side. He hasn't had his breakout moment yet, but he is still a, what, six foot five long edge rusher who is more agile, faster, and more explosive than Jadavian Clowney. You have to at least be aware of that. Yeah, they also have, you know, Matt Ioannidis is a, a pretty good defensive lineman. Ryan Anderson, yeah, Ryan Anderson's right above uh, Montez Sweat currently in the depth chart, but Montez Sweat obviously is the more talented pass rusher. Overall, though, this unit, like you said, needs to be respected. It's a strong unit. There's some talented players on it. They actually made things pretty difficult for Mitchell Trubisky on Monday Night Football. Um, not too difficult, obviously, because they ended up lighting them up, but still a good unit overall, and they've been a pretty good at getting after the quarterback. One of the things, though, that they are very, very weak in, and this is an important stat to know, is that they're 29th in run defense, allowing 142 yards per game. Um, Chris, you pointed out, though, beforehand that there might be a little bit of a, uh, a difference in the numbers there. <laughs> Washington has played Dallas with their offense as as we saw Dak and Amari Cooper and Cobb they're tearing teams up through the air and then they've got their offensive line healthy that's a lot for defenses right now and 
also Giants have some big questions at running back. You know, we saw Tampa Bay just choke down on the Giants running game. Fortunately, they were able to claw their way back through the air. Things were looking pretty shaky when Saquon Barkley only had 10 yards on eight carries. The Giants are going to have to find a running game before they can exploit Washington's run defense. Yeah, those numbers might be a little bit inflated just by a tiny bit. The other position group that needs to be acknowledged and discussed, though, is their secondary. So Landon Collins, former New York Giant who left in free agency after not really being able to get anywhere close to terms, uh, now a Washington Redskin, and the only other notable name a member of that secondary is Josh Norman, who you could argue is a little bit washed up at this point. How weak would you say they are, and how easily can the Giants move the ball downfield through the air? They should be able to move the ball through the air. I'm not going to say easily because this is a divisional game. The teams are going to challenge each other. They know each other. Even if there isn't much tape on Daniel Jones right now, Washington has seen Pat Shermer's scheme before. They've seen Evan Ingram. They've seen Sterling Shepard. They've seen Benny Fowler. The two teams do know each other. So that kind of, that will put things up in the air at least a little bit. Yeah, that can really sway the impact of this game despite this defense not really being ultimately very complete. Um, Overall, though, their secondary doesn't really have any big names in it, Josh Norman being the only real major one besides Landon Collins. But they do have some underrated players, uh, Fabian Moreau and Jimmy Moreland being a little bit more depth corners, but underrated corners at that. Um, Understandably, like you said, though, that their secondary is going to be familiar with this passing offense. I do have some confidence, though, that Daniel Jones and company will be able to move the ball a little bit easier against this secondary um, just again, for the reason that I, I don't really see any star power. I don't see really any ball hawking players, any lockdown corners. There, there isn't really a huge sense of any player that can, that can make things super difficult in that secondary. No, uh, like you said, pretty much just Landon Collins. And I suppose you do have to worry about him. A having knowledge of the giants offense from the inside, but also just kind of being keyed up. And while Giants fans might be a little bit down on Collins based on his play in recent years and some of the things he's said since leaving the organization, he is capable of playing at an extremely high level. Yet even in his down seasons, he was still an impact player. At his best, he was playing at a legitimately historic level. That again, that's something that should at least be respected. Now that we've taken a look at two of the more notable position groups for this team, what do we think the uh, approach needs to be in the game plan offensively? What do they need to do come game time during the game as far as play calling goes or just a general approach if they want to have an effective day and put up the same amount of point total that they did last week? I'm going to say it starts up front and it starts with keeping Daniel Jones clean. They cannot let him get sacked five times, hit 11 times, almost sacked uh, probably seven times, really. They have to keep him upright, keep him just away from the pressure. Then he can kind of do his thing. He can attack the uh, sorry, attack the defense. And also that, that will take the ball security 
issues just out of play if defenders aren't hitting him. Yeah, I really don't think this defensive line is as effective as the Buccaneers one was. Shaq Barrett ended up teeing off on Daniel Jones at times. This is a good defensive line, don't get me wrong, but I, I would give a little bit more, slightly more credit to the Buccaneers. I think they'll be have a little bit more of an easier job, but I think, like you said, keeping Daniel Jones clean is very, very important just because last week he was able to operate well while being pressured as much as he was. So if you keep him clean this week, maybe he'll, he'll be able to have an even better performance. I think another thing we touched upon a little bit was just establishing a run game. You don't have Saquon Barkley. Your number two option right now is Wayne Gallman, who's going to be starting. And then right after that, you have is Elijah Penny. So not a lot of great options, not a lot of players that are game breakers like Saquon Barkley was, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put an emphasis on trying to get over 75 uh, yards rushing in this game, maybe not leaning on as many rushing attempts as you typically would when you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, but still using that as an asset, still using that as a weapon. Yeah, I think that will actually be one of the interesting kind of chess matches we see this game is how is how Washington approaches the Giants offense knowing that they have a quarterback now who can threaten with his legs. They don't have that dynamic game breaker at running back, but then they also do have a couple receivers who can threaten and can really work over a secondary, create separation. If they're not getting great separation, at least position themselves so there is a big passing window for Jones. So perhaps we will see Washington almost concede the run game and try to take the passing the passing game away from the Giants. Kind of play the way the Giants did back in the Super Bowl against the Bills way back then, way back when. The final point that we want to acknowledge here was one that we both noticed from the Monday Night Football game. It also helps that they're missing some people for this specific point, but attacking the middle of the field, why do you think the middle of the field is going to be open? Uh, for one, just personnel-wise, Washington does not have Reuben Foster. He tore his ACL back in the spring. He's done for the year. They do have John Bostic. He's an, he's a fine downhill linebacker. He is not really a three-down, play-in-space, cover linebacker. The Giants do have Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, who are at their best attacking the middle of the field. You know, we've, we've seen that repeatedly. Also, a thing I noticed watching last week's game with Daniel Jones is he is noticeably better in the middle of the field than he is outside the numbers. In the middle of the field, he completed 10 of 13 passes, I believe over 180 yards and a touchdown. Outside of the numbers, it was closer to about 60-62% completion. He had he attempted more passes, but he had fewer yards. And I also noticed more kind of just off-target passes. Passes where they, they might have been caught. The receiver, whether it was a tight end, wide receiver, running back, whatever, had to really kind of reach and contort and really make the catch outside of their frame. I think everything just kind of aligns where the Giants should try to attack the middle of the field and get the ball out and over the defensive line's head and try to get Shepard and Ingram in space. You know, maybe Wayne Gallman as well. He is a not a dynamic receiver, but at least a capable one. 
and let those guys do work on a spot of the field and a spot of the Washington defense that is probably the most vulnerable. The Redskins right now are very, very weak at linebacker, and that was very apparent if you did watch Monday Night Football. When I when I took the time to go back and look at it, it was just very easy to notice how a lot of passes were coming across the middle of the field for the Bears. They were able to make easy completions. They were able to get some yards after catch from that as well. So the Giants should take advantage of that. It, it seems like there's a pretty wide, gaping hole in most situations um, in the middle of the field. So making those quick passes, making those throws across the middle of the field will make an opportunity for them to be able to move the ball a lot easier this week. Now we're going to take a look at the defensive game plan, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now defensively, the Giants have a bit of a good opportunity for them this week. If you recall, and we were talking about Monday Night Football from the offensive perspective, if you recall from Monday Night Football, Case Keenum and company struggled significantly, and Case Keenum turned the ball over a pretty good amount. He had three interceptions in the game. He also was sacked um, a bunch, and he was also giving up the ball uh, and, and getting hit when he was getting sacked and losing the ball for some fumbles. So it's, it was very, very obvious, and it's been obvious from some of their other games that their, their offensive line is very, very weak. Chris, how do you think they should be attacking them? I would say concentrate on the left side. On the right side, they've got Brandon Scherf. He is... Good guard. He's one of the he's one of the best guards in the league, really. On the left side, they have Eric Flowers in, I believe, what, what will be his fourth start at left guard. They've got Donald Penn, who is just not the player he was even a couple years ago. So I would do what I can to attack that side of the field. Maybe run some blitzes through the left A gap, left B gap. Use Lorenzo Carter's speed on that side. And see what you can do with that. That should be the 
the softer side of the offensive line. So get after it. Really, besides Brandon Scherf, like you said, there are a significant number of holes in this offensive line. So dialing up those blitzes like James Betcher is known for and good at is going to create some wonderful opportunities to force some turnovers. It doesn't look like it really takes much to get any pressure. It really, it really doesn't look, when watching this offensive line, that it takes anything to get through. Um, I don't know if, if you ended up seeing, Chris, the play where Danny Trevathan did that little play possum uh, fake and that like he wasn't coming at him and then he completely sped back up and was able to get a sack on Case Keenum and I think it was the second quarter so again it doesn't really take a ton to fake these guys out to uh, elude them and to and to get some pressures in those situations now they do actually have some offensive weapons though and a lot of fast quick explosive receivers like Trey Quinn um, but most notably Terry McLaurin, who has been an underrated rookie for this Washington team, how can they game plan around him? And then the other player being Vernon Davis that they also might need to game plan around just because the Giants have been struggling in stopping tight ends. So what, what do you think the approach needs to be in game planning around them? I would say, especially for the wide receivers, do what they did in the second half against Tampa Bay and let the corners you know, man up and play press coverage. Let them knock the receivers off their routes, disrupt the timing. That will hopefully give the Giants pass rush an extra second or so just to get in the backfield and pressure the quarterback. And it also plays to the strengths of Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker. Let them use their quickness and ball skills to just kind of stick with the receiver and disrupt at the catch point. Um, as for Vernon Davis, uh, well, there's the distinct possibility that Nate Stupar will be seeing considerable time on the field. I'm going to say the Giants probably should go out in maybe a base nickel defense to limit the amount of time Stupar is out on the field and get which other linebackers are even healthy at the moment. I'm not sure if Tay Davis is. Get the whichever linebackers happen to be on the field, get them as much help as possible. Yeah. Right now, I think Michael Thomas is probably a better option or have Antoine Bethay come down and play in the box and have Sean Chandler or Michael Thomas play deep because whoever's there is probably going to be your better option, even if you're giving up some size. It needs to be noted. Yeah. It needs to be noted how explosive these receivers are. And I think playing a little bit more nickel might be the right approach in this situation. I think, though, Terry McLaurin is very, very fast, and they really like using him as a burner receiver. Um, they, they run a lot of deep routes, a lot of go routes in those types of situations. I think just the big key here is running some, playing some bracket coverage, having that safety help, which they didn't really do a lot of against Tampa Bay. No, they really didn't. I, I don't know if part of that is just... Antoine Bethea not having the wheels he used to. So he just struggles getting into position to help with those brackets. I wonder if he ha he has problems just getting in position to execute those brackets. Or if it was just a game plan decision for whatever reason to not bracket Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm not sure what that reason really could be, but... Without being in the defensive meeting, 
can't say for sure that they didn't have a reason for doing that. Uh, one other name I'd like to bring up is Kelvin Harmon. He was drafted in the sixth round out of NC State. I personally am a huge fan of his. Yeah, I had him as a second rounder on my board going into the draft. Yeah, he's not uh, he's not a terribly athletic receiver, but he, he's he reminds me kind of a DeAndre Hopkins just with his ability to separate out of his routes, expand the catch window, and really pluck the ball out of the air with strong hands and really great body control. So I would just keep an eye out for him. He hasn't done much yet. Uh, two receptions, 31 yards. But if they could get him involved, he could be a dangerous third option. So there's one major storyline that a lot of people are watching here because there is a strong potential for to see two rookie quarterbacks face off in Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. And Dwayne Haskins was a guy that a lot of people were expecting to become a New York Giant over Daniel Jones. What can we expect from Dwayne Haskins? Because there's a fairly good chance he starts from what you acknowledged to me earlier, which was that Case Keenum has a foot injury and might not be playing. With Dwayne Haskins, there's probably going to be some inconsistencies in his game. He is a good quarterback. He was a really good quarterback prospect. Personally, I thought he was going to be the Giants quarterback, not the least of which was the Giants had been favoring players in free agency and such who have a history of being Giants fans. And Haskins was a Giants fan growing up. I thought the Giants might be attracted to that story, but he is a very good deep ball thrower. He is a very, very quick processor of information. He's got a quick release. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience, just one year starting at Ohio State. So he doesn't have much of a track record. He hasn't seen much in terms of just defenses and things getting thrown at him, like the way you would see a four-year starter just be able to recognize. So he might be particularly particularly susceptible to James Betcher's blitzes, but he also has the physical traits to be able to beat those blitzes if he's able to identify them. Yeah, I, I think it would probably be an up-and-down night for him if he's able to start, but it could be a very interesting quarterback duel between him and Daniel Jones, especially considering he already has chemistry with Terry McLaurin, which is they always showed a great chemistry together back at Ohio State. They showed it during the preseason. It's going to be interesting if that indeed is what happens. Interesting to say the least, but it, one thing needs to be acknowledged here is that the Giants cannot – failed to take advantage of this opportunity, which is facing a rookie quarterback with very little experience under his belt playing football in general. They need to attack him. They need to pressure him. They need to use this offensive line and how weak it is to pressure him and put him on his back. If he's flustered, if he is having issues and and does not feel confident, that will ultimately help them win this football game. It's an advantage to face a rookie quarterback, and I'm sure that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thought when Daniel Jones played. But you need to use that to, to your advantage. First career start if he does end up starting. They can't make things easy for him. I did not really see a ton from him in the preseason. I thought he kind of struggled at times. Um, not, as, not, not the most consistent quarterback during the preseason from the very limited snaps we, we did get to see from him. So I would not be expecting him to have some crazy output in some big game. 
However, the Giants have had a tendency recently to give up some huge numbers to quarterbacks. So that is a little bit up in the air at the moment. Definitely. uh, The Giants do kind of have a tendency to play down to competition if they're playing competition that is worse than them. And they can't let themselves get, I'll just say Tampa Bayed, and maybe take being able to take advantage of a rookie cornerback for granted. I've been saying this a few times the, the the Giants need to be need to respect what Washington has they as a team kind of are a mess you know with Reuben Foster Reuben Foster being hurt Darius Geis being hurt again tr- the whole Trent Williams saga Jordan Reed being hurt again they're kind of a mess right now but that doesn't mean they don't have the ability to go out there and play a good game with all that we've discussed now, what do you think needs to be the game plan defensively if they want to do exactly what the Bears did to them last week? Get Danny Trevathan and Khalil Mack. <laughs> I would definitely say attack the left side of the offensive line, play aggressively on defense, blitz early, blitz often. The Giants' corners are probably going to get burned by Washington's receivers at some point. That's just kind of a thing that's going to happen when you have not terribly athletic defensive players going against very athletic offensive players. You know, offense always has the initiative. Defense, especially the cornerback position, is pretty much always going to be reactive, especially after that first instant of the snap. So the offense has the advantage. The Giants have to do everything they can to take that advantage away for as long as possible. And then, especially if Daniel Jones plays, the Giants can't get too cute with how they blitz, but they should try to create the same kind of confusion we saw them create against Tampa Bay's offensive line. Going in line with the whole concept of blitzing, I think something that builds off of that is forcing turnovers. If Keenum doesn't start, which he's doubtful at the moment, and Dwayne Haskins is in, he's a rookie quarterback, cause him to force turnovers, cause him to make boneheaded mistakes, and then you need to capitalize on them. They have been very, very sloppy in all facets of their offense um, when it just comes to simple things like pass blocking, uh, making decisions with the football at the quarterback position. They need to take advantage of the fact that they've been sloppy and force them to continue to be sloppy. So if they take advantage of those chances and they capitalize on them and they score points off of them, that is going to be very, very important for this game. And if they're able to do that, I'm confident it could be a blowout. If they don't force turnovers and they don't capitalize on them, then that's not going to be the case. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There's a reason why turnovers are part of that toxic equation for a football team. If you're giving up the ball, if you're giving up sacks, it is very, very difficult to win. That's why what the Buffalo Bills did in week one against the Jets is really remarkable. They gave up they gave up four turnovers in the first half and still managed to claw their way back in. You really want to be on the positive side of the turnover margin. And the Giants have the opportunity to make that happen. They should take advantage of it. And I would say, and one more thing, and this is just a personal gripe I have had with the Giants going back years. If you get ahead, don't be classy. Last week, we saw Tampa Bay kind of come out and change their game plan in the second half. They switched to a very run-heavy 
offense. They played kind of a softer defense. They were just trying to end the game and run out the clock. They kept the door open, and it allowed the Giants to come back. Time and again, we have seen the Giants get ahead and then do really the same thing. Play classy, try to end the game. Don't don't try to just rub the opponent's face in the fact that they're losing. Keep your foot on the gas. Keep your boot on their neck and win the game. Do what has do whatever you have done to get ahead. Just keep doing that until the final whistle blows. Well, if they're in the position to do that, I certainly hope that they do end up pushing that gas pedal and keep putting points on the board. However, that is going to be it from us, folks. So thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and give us your feedback. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor M-K-I-I. Also, be sure to follow Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram at Big Blue View. And Instagram is at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Thank you for tuning in, folks.